We've never seen a perfect marriage. But we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life. Conflict and misunderstandings. Growth and hope. We want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships. There are no experts here. Just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron and Jenna. Okay, welcome the maze, Gabe and Debbie. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, Dave Dave and Mebbies. Uh, (laughs) I'm okay with that. Uh, We've known you guys for a couple years now, but um, you guys helped out with the DTR class that we did last semester. Mm -hmm. Um, And we accidentally didn't invite you this semester. I'd be like, it was not on purpose. And we were terrified and apologizing of the wazoo. Gabe was like, I am so glad you didn't ask (laughs) because I didn't want to have to tell you no. no, But I do like being the guest speaker. That feels like high honor of coming. Yes. (laughs) And then Debbie was like, thank you for explaining. Like, I was like, okay, (laughs) Debbie's on my page. (laughs) I got it. No, it was great. Um, And so we wanted you guys on because uh, you guys have. A, an amazing like dynamic between you two. You're a very powerful couple. Um, you seem to like each other, which is always one of our prerequisites. Yes, we do. <laughs> Good. Um, I like that because you knew there was an awkward sex story required at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe was trying to make that happen in the car <laughs> before they walked in. Even yeah. a good effort, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. I told Debbie, I'm like, listen, this would be the best story on the podcast. Oh my Please gosh. have sex with me before we go into this house right now. In their driveway. Yeah. She refused, which is totally fine. It is under a major street light. So I, I, get, you, I get that. Yeah, you guys might have got arrested. I don't know. I, is that allowed? Can you have sex in your car? No, and just... actually, we also have a story about that. Yeah. <laughs> Do. Maybe we we'll do, save actually. that one. Yeah, but we yeah. definitely had a cop totally knock on fine. a window. Oh, oh man, mm-hmm. who was exposed? Let's see. Debbie quickly put on my shirt because okay, she yeah. didn't have one That's on. Good. And we were dating. Uh, <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. yeah. And what was funny is because I'm from England and I had only been in America for like a few years. He was like, "Are you here against your will?" <laughs> He like pulled me out, of, like Have you had been me taken? come out of the car, and I'm in just his Gabriel's no. t-shirt, oh like gosh. standing oh, there. Yeah. It was very crap. embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Gabe's in there with his gold chains. And he's like, <laughs> right. "When are you, are you guys almost done? We got work to do." Right. What the cop didn't recognize is I was there against my. Yeah. <laughs> he's all crying. Oh my gosh! She won't get okay. off of me. <laughs> you wish. Okay. All right. So. Uh, Let's start by asking you guys, I, I'm i just very interested in how your relationship played out in mm-hmm. that you lived on a school bus with your four kids yeah, we did. for multiple years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys had, like, you kind of made a lifestyle of it. Like, mm-hmm. you had an Instagram account with, I mean, lots of people following. It was a very interesting ride. Can you tell us a little bit about... Pun intended? Wh- mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That was so good. <laughs> that was good. I didn't even notice. Um what it was like to connect or not connect on a school bus with all and your by kids. By connect, he means put the P in the V. No, that's actually not what I meant. I okay. meant okay. like relationally. That perv. is true, actually. <laughs> well, we can talk about both. So you, you talk about the connection. I'll talk about the P. In the okay. <laughs> Um, actually, yeah, the, the school bus was a really great connector, even for the whole family. Mm. One of the things that was interesting about living in, it was 250 square feet was that we had moved from our previous house, which was 5,000 square feet. Oh yeah. So we knew like life just needed to change. I'm sure we'll get into more of that story, Mm -hmm. but, um, 
anyone in the in the school bus after school like we knew if someone was mad we knew if someone had a bad day mm. like you couldn't be more than a few feet away from everyone and that so that really drew us closer yeah. because in the past it's like the kids we would get home from school and the kids would be all in different rooms yeah. and on different screens and where like he'd be like where are you texting my phone to find me <laughs> and so when we lived on the school bus it's like you're just in each other's space yeah. um, and it actually taught me a lot too about just advocating for my needs like mm. if i needed time to be by myself just being like mm. okay i need like i can't there's nowhere to escape yeah so i'm gonna go be in the back bedroom and close the door and actually advocate for like the space that i needed um and it was really like we absolutely loved it it really connected us as a family and the kids all miss it and oh talk really about it. They, yeah oh, they wow. do. but i'm like you were a lot smaller back then yeah. i don't oh, know yeah. that you would actually love it now yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that was actually the purpose of the bus was mm -hmm. to connect mm -hmm. connect more with one another connect with our kids mm. um, but we needed something to help us reset yeah and ultimately what that looked like is getting rid of stuff and then being in a confined space you can't help but connect. Mm -hmm. So it forced you to pay attention to little things like the the volume of my voice whenever we're having an argument or uh, oh, sure. um, you know, enjoying an outside walk a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. Um, and just recognizing that whenever you're in a smaller space, even the way that you talk and communicate with one another, it mm. either creates or breaks connection. Mm. And so a lot of the lessons that we learn together as a family and as a couple on the bus are still true today. I mean, they mm. carry over even though we're yeah. inside of a bigger home now. It's mm -hmm. they were foundational to who we are today. For wow. Sure. Have you kept like um, some of the slowness and the less stuff when you've moved into a bigger house? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you come into our house right now, um, it is a bit bigger. But as an example, there's one room where there's nothing but windows and a couch. So oh, you wow. can literally just sit on the couch and look out the window. And that's yep. all there is. There's no screens. Uh, the couch is facing the window. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And it's a massive community type couch where you can mm. have, you know, 10 or 15 mm. people sit on it. Mm. But the whole purpose in that room is connection. Mm. And so whenever we look at designing or building a space, we really have that at the forefront. So even it may seem small, but the TVs that we do have, we actually just have one in our big house and it's a frame TV. So mm. that's intentional because we, we want it to be as a piece of art that's on a wall. Oh, not sure. as a centerpiece where we're going to go and we don't find our connection from what the TV produces. So right. it's little things like that, that we've tried to be tried to be as intentional as possible. Yep. Mm -hmm. Have you found that you've had to add extra boundaries or like make rules around it now that you don't have the natural parameters of the bus to maintain that? Like, have there been different things about, I don't know. Yeah, we have definitely certain parameters and boundaries. Um, we don't have phones or screens at the table. So we, mm -hmm. um, if we're at home, it's pretty rare that we're going to sit and eat in front of a screen. We, we sit around the table. Um, in the bus, we had like the couches with like tray tables down the middle yeah. aisle. So we're a bit more comfortable now in a normal <laughs> sure. table. With a normal kitchen. I remember <laughs> yes. hearing that. Didn't you have to go sh grocery shop so much because your kitchen, your you just yes. couldn't hold that much. Right. Right. The right. fridge was so tiny. I think that that was one of the hardest parts about it was not being able to like cook and host and have people over. Mm. So we've really loved like being able to have people over and, and have more connection that way. Um, but we definitely have, and even with the kids stuff, like we definitely have less, we continue to have less stuff. Cause you just realize w once you live in a school bus where you don't have the space, you're like, they actually don't need mm. as much as what we think that your kids need. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been really minimal with that. I would say clothes is probably the thing that we've <laughs> not followed through with. Correct. <laughs> <You> <laughs> love clothes. We though, right? enjoy 
we enjoyed clothes. So yeah. yeah, yeah. But to the the kids stuff point, you know, it is they're even more intentional with their purchases. You know, oh, Grayson okay. just recently saved up a couple of hundred bucks because there was a specific Lego that he wanted, and oh. so instead of using his money to go and buy the little things or be you know wanting to have that in the moment purchase, yeah. he's actually taking the time to consider what do I really want. Oh, uh, that's but that cool. is as a result of our time together on the yeah. bus. You mm. know, less impulse purchases happen. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. I remember you said like if I buy anything else, something has to leave the bus at some mm. point. Like Yeah, that was definitely part of the bus was once a month you could either keep the toy that you had or you could give that toy up and replace it with a new one. And so it was just fun mm. to watch our kids really make that consideration. Am I truly done playing with this toy? Wow. Do I really want something new? And it's just fun. Of course, mm. Jovi, our youngest, who is now six, um, she isn't making those same types of decisions. <laughs> sure, yeah. So we're thinking about actually getting a bus for her. <laughs> um, but just no, that's... In the backyard. But yeah, that, and, those, yeah. and we see those you know, lessons being you know, played today. It's pretty wow. cool. That's cool. Okay. Can now, we hear about the season? Is it cool yeah, to that's hear about what I was going to ask. Can we hear about the season that led up to the bus? And why it was such a necessity for your family. Yeah. So would you like for me to go? Yeah, yeah. go for it. So in, I'm going to give years and dates. Is that okay? Just kind of yeah, to helpful. time frame? Yeah, it's helpful. So in 2016, I blew my life up, our life up by having an affair. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and so that obviously just really disconnected our family, um, disconnected our marriage. I remember, you know, if I unpack that story, there are, two really massive pain points. Um, one obviously was a moment that, you know, Debbie and I had the conversation. I told her what had happened. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was when I had to sit down with my kids and tell them, Hey, dad's messed up. Oh. I can't live here anymore. And I remember backing out of the driveway that day, um, rolling down my window. I've actually got it on camera. I'm going to play this video one day. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I feel like in a talk, um, but I have it on film and they're all just sobbing, crying oh and I'm God. waving to them like goodbye. And you can hear me say, what have I done? You know, mm. and, and my kids, my youngest daughter, Joby, she was three months at the time. She gave me a blanket. Um, Deacon gave me a cape with his name on it and just bawling, you know, dad, mm. please don't forget my name. Oh, um, my, my daughter, gosh. Darby, drew a picture of her and I together. And then my son, Grayson, had this awesome Lego car that he had built that he gave to me. Mm. And so that obviously led to a moment of separation between Debbie and I. So I left the house. Um, in total, we were separated for five months. Mm-hmm. Um, but can I ask a question, yeah. Debbie? Did mm-hmm. the kids like blame you, or did they understand that his decisions led to him not being able to live with yeah, her? That was a big part of the the whole process. Um, whenever I found out, um, I knew that there was a bunch of stuff leading up to that, um, and that Gabriel needed to go and get help and get healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and that we wouldn't like, I I just knew we wouldn't survive if we were just around each other that whole time. Afterwards, we both needed space and he really needed to go and and get healthy. And so, um, the thing that stood out to me when I did find out and when it all came out was how he immediately was like, whatever I need to do, I'm going to do. Um, and one of the things like I, the people around us at the time were like, he's manipulating you, you know, he's not really repentant, but literally any boundary that I set and anything that I asked him to do mm-hmm. in that season, he was like, I will do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we were pastors at the time when all of this happened and he was asking like, can I get up, up in front of the congregation? Can I tell them what happened? Like I want to confess mm-hmm. in front of them and apologize to everyone. And mm-hmm. they wouldn't let that happen, but he just was willing to like completely open up. And mm-hmm. so when we were talking about what to do about the kids, uh, 
I, I told him like, it's important to me that they know that it's not my fault because mm, I'm right, going to be yeah. taking care of all of them by myself. And so when he sat down with them, the language that he used was, I've done something, dad has messed up. And obviously at that age, they didn't really understand. Mm. Um, we've, sh- we've shared it with some of them since then, but we knew that they wouldn't really understand what it meant. So he just said, dad's messed up. Uh, mom hasn't done anything it's not her fault Mm. she hasn't done anything wrong so you need to help her you need to take Mm. care of her um you know and and really support her through this but no like if you're mad at anyone be mad at me because Mm. i'm the one that's done this Mm. so he did a really good job of like setting me up for success with them in that time um which did mean a lot you know because in that season obviously i was heartbroken and devastated but with the newborn yeah yeah, exactly yeah but um seeing how like there was moments along the way where i kind of saw glimpses inside of his process where i was like he's actually taking ownership Mm. and and that kind of that really helped to build trust even though at that time i was like i don't even know what's going to happen yeah so yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so then what that led to is obviously i moved in with my mom and my dad so if it wasn't for my mom and my dad and this guy named Greg Francis, I don't know what would have happened to me. I mean, mm. I, I was struggling with suicidal thoughts. I thought mm. there was no way I'm going to be able to come back from this. I genuinely thought that our marriage was over. Mm. Um, and so my mom and dad, they lived in Oklahoma and Debbie and the kids stayed in the Chicagoland area. Mm-hmm. So right before I left Chicago to go move in with my mom and my dad, I had one laugh line, this guy, Greg. And he was someone that I had talked with, you know, a couple of months prior to me blowing our life up. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he was a business guy, not connected to our church or anything. And I just had a lunch meeting with him. And I just found myself telling him, hey, I'm having these conversations with this woman. And he said, you need to absolutely run. But if you don't run and you blow up your life and stuff hits the fan, wow. then you need to call me. And so I just like... On a whim, I took wow. him up on that. I was like, hey, I, I know we've only met wow. a handful of times. I blew my life up. And so he invited me over to his house in the Chicagoland area. And um, he gave me two things. Obviously, he was like super gracious, had a very man-to-man, heart-to-heart conversation. But then he gave me $1,000 cash. I didn't have any money mm. uh, to get to Oklahoma. And then he gave me a book, uh, Culture of Honor by Danny Silk. Mm. And so it was that book, you know, in the first couple of chapters of that book, Danny unpacks someone who experiences sexual immorality and yeah. how the church rallies around and restoration and reconciliation mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever I say hope was really injected into my story. Wow. And so that led me down a road of consuming Bethel content. So it was my first time to really unpack what does it mean to be a son mm-hmm. of God? What does it mean to be um, uh, someone that looks as God is good? You know, what does that actually mean to experience the grace of God? So all of these uh, characteristics of who our Heavenly Father is were starting to be revealed to me and come alive in a whole new way. Even though you were a pastor. Even though I was a pastor, I mean, we would, whenever we would preach, we would do, you know, law, prophets, writings, and then you go into the New Testament and pull something out of the Gospels and end in Revelation. So if I was to preach a message to you, I would start in Genesis and end in Revelation so you could mm. feast on the word. And it was like this really, it was a way really to use the word to manipulate people yeah. is oh, what wow. I look back at now. Okay. Yeah. You know? It was just a very, like, very strict culture, mm-hmm. very much about uh, picking up your, carrying your cross, you know, sacrificing for the Lord. Mm-hmm. If your life isn't hard, you're not doing something right, right. type okay. of culture. And yeah. so the the Jesus that we knew inside of that culture was 
rules based yeah (laughs) very condemning and so and that's why when everything came out with gabriel like they were like you're a wolf and you're a wolf in sheep's clothing we can Mm. have nothing to do with you Mm. and said there was no hope for him um they told me that um one of the the main things so i actually stayed with the church they offered to help me and the kids after gabriel had left and one of the first things within maybe a week or two we were meeting with all the pastors trying to decide like what to do and uh the main pastor of the whole thing um he was kind of like we were a church plant under him Mm -hmm. he said well debbie you're called to be a pastor's wife so we better hurry up and find you a pastor to marry because gabriel's never going to be a pastor and so that was kind of that was the culture right it was just like move on to the next because there's no Mm -hmm. hope for him wow um and in that moment the holy spirit actually spoke to me like i heard the voice of god say um i want you to look for the fruit of the spirit you know, so mm. as we were in all these meetings, I'm like looking for love, looking mm. for joy. You know, it's just such, such a simple verse. But I was like, I actually don't see any of that wow. inside of these people. Wow. Um, and that was just a massive light bulb moment for me that the culture that we were inside of and, and the type of faith that we had been taught was just not actually what the Lord wanted for us. You mm. know, he, he wants us to have peace and patience and kindness. And I'm like, mm. if the main guy doesn't display these, <laughs> these, th- these mm. kind characteristics then i'm not sure wow. if this is the right place so yeah. how did you like in a culture that was saying there was no hope and you didn't see you hadn't seen it really dead before how did mm-hmm. you stay like neutral how did you not get swayed over there yeah yeah it was a really difficult situation i think that that first like the lord speaking to me about looking for the the fruit of the spirit was a massive one mm. um and then just as they continued like that comment about finding me a pastor to to marry i just kept thinking like this Red just flag. isn't right yeah and i <laughs> and what's interesting about it too if we kind of rewind time um when we were on the leadership team like we gabriel and i would have a lot of disagreements because he would be like you know why can't you just be like the other wives and just like why do you have to be so outspoken and we'd have we had a meeting one time where where one of the pastors told me if you have a problem with any of the men on the leadership team Debbie you need to go home tell Gabriel about it and he will address the men Um, And so there was always those like internally, I was like, there is something up here, but it was like the whole church culture is like women submit to their husbands. And it just was what we were completely surrounded by. So I had always had internally, like there is something going on here. And I remember being like, I'm just so frustrated Mm. all the time. Like, Lord, what's wrong with me? Why can't Mm. I submit? And after this, (laughs) I was like, oh, it's actually because I was like, because once I was out of it, like all of that frustration was gone. all that wow. internal turmoil and I was like oh it was actually because I knew that this was not biblical <laughs> this whole <laughs> time I knew um, and so I actually after those comments and after praying about it I felt like I should just be like you said completely completely neutral in the situation so I met with them and told them like I'm not going to be a part anymore wow. I just feel like I need to focus on the kids right now and being stable for them and they were not happy with me they started saying like really terrible things to me like gabriel's manipulating you and i was like i'm not even talking to him right now like he's he's not right but i think that what you're doing isn't right either Mm. and they said if you're not if you don't agree with us and if you disagree with us, then you're against us. And I was like, I'm not against you. I just think that you're both wrong on either side. And they said, like, if you disagree with us, we can have nothing to do with you either. So Mm. I was like, all right. 
So wow. it was just and me and the it. kids. Yeah. Dang. And so I had one friend also that I had met at the school bus, like school bus stop. And um, I oh, reached out to her. Not the school bus that you... Okay, oh, no. <laughs> the school bus came after. Um, yeah, I had met her dropping the kids off. She was a Christian. Kind of just had like random meetings. I knew she was a Christian. So I called her, invited oh, wow. her over to my house and was like... I just need someone right now. Like wow. I have no one. Cause that was like, that church was everything to us. Like yeah. all of our friends. Wow. Um, so once you're out of it, like nobody can have anything to do with you in mm. the entire church. And so she was my only friend. So I started attending her church with her and she was like my lifeline during that wow. time. Wow. So you had yeah. her and then Greg for you, yeah. when the book yeah. started. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So culture of honor, you know, supernatural ways of royalty. God is good. Just everything. And then what that led to was um, there was like, I went through something called My Pil- my Pilgrimage with Seth Taylor. Have you heard of that before? Is that Triple uh, X Church? <laughs> yeah, it was okay. at the time. I don't oh. think it's necessarily with them anymore, but it's still around. Okay, Phenomenal. Gotcha. Highly recommend it. Um, I started learning like how to meditate, how to go into my past, what now we refer to as a sozo here yeah. in the Bethel yeah. community. Yeah. Or like inner healing. Stuff. Yeah. Just right. like, you know, going back and, and talking to my childhood self, extending grace to my childhood wow, self. Yeah. And I mean like crazy encounters. Uh, um, and this is just by myself in my mom and dad's living room, you know, when they were at work. Doing, is it, it was an this. online program? It was or? an online course and a book that I was going through. And wow. it, it would take me like days to go through one lesson because it's all so foreign to me. The idea of a guy like me being still, closing my eyes mm. and saying, okay, I'm going to focus on my forehead and okay, I'm going to focus on my nose and working my way down my body wow. until like I'm completely calm took forever. Wow. But that's one of the things that saved my life. Wow. So, um, and then what that led to was listening to the Bethel podcast. Mm. And I just got this sense about um, the community at Bethel that it was a safe place, mm. that I could go there, I could be completely vulnerable, completely real, and I was going to be met with, God is good, He's filled with grace, He's got good things in store for you, it's going to be okay. Wow. Which is really what I needed at the time. Yeah. So I just started consuming Bethel content. Um, you know, a couple of months would go by, Debbie and I are separated. We would go like weeks at a time without even talking. And then, uh, one day I went, drove all the way from Oklahoma. I was actually doing it every weekend going back up to Chicago and, um, I, Debbie and I were going to meet for a coffee. And so I was going there to tell Debbie, um, Hey, I really have the sense that I'm going to be moving out to Bethel soon. And like kind of trying to talk through what that was going to look like. Yeah. And so f- from on my side of things, what was interesting about this is that we hadn't talked really about what was going on. Mm-hmm. I knew Gabriel was doing some healing work. Um, and that was completely opposite to, again, to the environment we were a part of. Like they used the verse, like Paul says, forget what is behind and move on. So anytime anyone had any pain come up from their past, like it was like, just forget about it. Like keep doing the work of the Lord. Um, And so we had no grid for like actually healing from your childhood wounds. Um, Gabriel had a lot of trauma in his childhood that that opportunity was given to him to go back and and get some healing in that aspect. Um, And so for me, I spent my time uh we had a actually an actual walk-in closet at our house mm-hmm. and so i would put the kids down every night and i would go into mm-hmm. my walk-in closet and uh i would put on worship music i would read books and i just because i had this sense that um one of the words so one of the words the lord told me like the day after everything happened and i found out is uh he said that i'm going to give you a new husband whether it's gabriel and he's a completely oh, new wow. person 
or someone else. Wow. I'm going to give you a new husband. And so for me, that whole time when we we're, when I was going through this, I just had this confidence, like I'm going to be okay. Like the oh, Lord's wow. going to provide mm. either Gabriel's going to go through, take this opportunity and actually change. And if he doesn't like, I'm going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that gave me confidence just to really focus on myself because I knew like, obviously I had been hurt and obviously, you know, Gabriel cheating on me was one of the most painful things to happen to me, but I knew that there were things within the relationship that I needed to work on, Mm. um, ways in which I kind of let things go under the radar or Mm, like even because there was pornography that led up to all of this, Mm -hmm. um, that I, it's like, I just, I, I allowed those things to happen and mm-hmm. didn't advocate for myself or our relationship in those moments. And so I felt really strongly that even though, you know, you could say I didn't, I hadn't done anything wrong. Um, I knew in order to have a healthy relationship either with him or someone else moving forward that I needed to really take mm. this opportunity wow. to heal. Um, so I did the book codependent no more. Mm. I went through a lot of codependency, you know, healing work yeah. and stuff like that, because that was my, you know, my yeah. side of it was, was being codependent dependent and feeling like you know i needed to be the one to make him happy mm. or i needed if he, you know if he was using porn i needed to find it out and i needed to you know i would go on these research sprees and like mm. you know you now we need to get this software and it was like he never had any ownership because right. i felt like i would be the one taking ownership of all of that um and so during all of this time like um I was listening to sermons, listening to worship. I found uh, a Bethel uh, YouTube channel and I had, it's funny because we at that time, we knew Bethel music, but I just thought it was like a worship band. I didn't know it was an actual church. Mm. And so I see this like worship set and I'm like, okay, Bethel's actually a church. That's crazy. (laughs) And in that moment, I heard like the voice of the Lord, I feel like in that moment say like, listen to the Bethel podcast. So I'm Mm. like, okay. So I Google Bethel podcast. And and you didn't know he was at the same time doing the same thing. I had no idea. Like we didn't have any clue that this is what either of us were doing. Um, And so he would drive every weekend to come and he would pick up the kids and spend time with them. So Mm. that was another one of those like sacrifices he made where I was like, okay, like normally he wouldn't do that. It's like 12 hours. Oh my God. Yeah, He would drive 12 hours, spend two days with the kids and then drive 12 hours home by himself. Blackwell, Oklahoma to Crystal Lake, (laughs) Illinois. Somebody look that up right now. (laughs) Put in the comments below how long of a drive that is. And so, um, and then he also would pray for the kids every night mm. and he would never miss a night. The oh, whole like time. call to pray. Yep, he okay. called and prayed for the kids every single night. Mm. Um, so those were some more of those moments where I was like, okay, like he's, I definitely see that he's willing to sacrifice and willing to make this work. Um, so I started listening to these sermons and it was completely different to anything mm. that we had been taught. My mm. mind was at, like, there were times when I was like, Blown. I can't yeah. believe that I have not known this about Jesus. Like, how have wow. I right. lived, wow. you know, 30 years of my life and not known the truth about Jesus? But there was something inside of me that knew that it was so true. You know, it's like yeah. what I'd always been longing yeah. to know. Yeah. You know, it was like, okay, the Jesus that I have feel like I know, 
like they're actually preaching about. Um, So it was really powerful for me. So I sat down with a friend, my only friend that I had (laughs) at that time. And uh, I said, you know, I'm really feeling like I need to, me and the kids need to go out to Reading and go be a part of Bethel. When I meet Gabriel for coffee tomorrow, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to tell him that that I'm going to take the kids. And at this time, again, it it was like, I'm like this strong, confident, powerful woman that I've never been before. So I'm going to tell him (laughs) I'm taking the kids out there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so we met for coffee and he sat across from me and he said, you know, I'm really feeling like I need to move and uh, be a part of Bethel in Reading. Do you know what that is? And I was like, are you joking me right now? How do you know what Bethel is? And so we just both (laughs) were like, what the heck? And I said, like, I was coming here today to tell you that I was going to move to Reading with the kids. Um, So in that Mm -hmm. moment, we knew like God was bringing us back together, you know, even though there was a lot of pain still, even though we still had a long road ahead, we could just see how our paths were, Mm -hmm. were kind of intermingling and and it also really allowed for us to have a solid base because we both agreed at that time it was like we cannot have the marriage we had before we're basically starting completely over and i was like you need to understand that that girl that you were married to is no longer like i'm not gonna be you know i'm not gonna just follow you around the country because we had moved so many times and it was basically like i was just following gabriel you know wherever he decided we should go next. And I was like, that's not going to be our life. Like you're not, Mm. you're not being with that same woman. So we spent a lot of time after that, just having those conversations about what our marriage would look like moving forward. Um, and then we did marriage counseling, but we lived separately for a while Mm -hmm. and then he, you can go for it. Yeah. So, um, that's reconciliation, right? So reconciliation, some of the big takeaways for me were, I didn't believe that Debbie and I were ever going to get back together. Mm-hmm. And so the healing journey that I went on was um, because I needed to go on that mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. yeah, You weren't doing and it to win me back. No, right. No. Right. That's good. You know, and the journey that Debbie was going down, she needed to go on for her own self. So and good. I think that yeah. whenever two individuals start going down who are separated or they're not reconciled, start going down that road, it makes it easy for the Lord to reconcile those those mm. types of individuals together. So there is something special that happens there. Yeah. I don't know fully why I just said that, but anyways. I, um, I think it's a big takeaway from what you guys are saying in that Debbie and you weren't working to get him back. You were mm-hmm. actually like, and for you to find whatever kind of own thing you could own, because I mean, there's a ton for him to own, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't do anything about that. Yeah. What you can do is even if you only had say 5%, but just put a number, you took that 5% and go, I'm going to do something with this. Yeah. And then yeah. obviously Gabriel doing the same thing. Um, now, originally, you said, I'll do whatever it takes, and so then you go to do this, but th- uh, then you said, I wasn't doing it in order to get her back. Can you explain how how you made that transition from, I need to do whatever it takes to get my family back, to, oh, yeah. I actually need this for me. Yeah, so do whatever it takes is really in reference to, I'm not going to leave the kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I, I, I was not going to do to my kids what my biological mm-hmm. father had done to me, and mm-hmm. although... He did uh, separate from my mom when I was real young. He also abandoned me. And Mm. I I remember that feeling of abandonment. Mm. And so I knew that although Debbie and I weren't going to get back together, I was going to do whatever it took to be around the kids. I wasn't going to abandon them. So even if that meant calling them every night and every weekend driving back up. And if I lived in Reading, I will come out every weekend. Like, I'm going to be a part. I need to figure out what that's going to look like. I had genuinely thought that Debbie and I were done. Mm. I really did. totally. And so, you know, the opportunities to come into the house, like, okay, so what the, the timeline 
there is we had this coffee meeting. Mm-hmm. I then moved back up to the Crystal Lake area in someone else's home who was gracious enough to let me stay in one of their bedrooms that just happened to be right down the street. Oh, wow. So, okay. you know, I would be able was to go. Was it the bus stop lady? It wasn't the bus it stop lady, It was her friend, actually. actually. Oh, she wow. helped us yeah. find oh, one of her friends. Yeah. So I was able to go like in the morning, help get the kids ready and drop them off at the oh. bus stop. And then I would leave. And Debbie, you know, the more that I honored the boundaries, um, the the boundary line began to move, you know, yeah, and I well. she'd, she'd allow me to come a little bit closer. It's kind of like if you can <laughs> try to physically, not closer. physically closer, <laughs> no, but it's kind of like, you know, when you're looking through, you know, a picket fence or whatever, a, a lattice fence, you know, mm-hmm. and you're kind of looking through it, you're kind of Debbie's like keeping her distance, but peeking in through a little tiny hole. And then eventually she's like, got her head over the fence and is like <laughs> looking, you know? So it was a slow warm up. So I yeah. was doing things like getting kids ready for school. I'd come over and make dinner. I'd come over and just, Hey, why don't you leave the house and I'll come and clean it while you're gone. Mm-hmm. And which so- is absolutely not how he was before, mm-hmm. like to mm-hmm. get him to clean or cook or do anything prior to all of this. It's like he, that would never be yeah. anything that he would do. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, like he said, like watching the things that he did and like seeing if he lingered or if he tried to push a boundary. Like there, I think oh. there was one time when he said like, can I give you a hug? And I was like, nope no, thank you. And he's like, okay. And he respected it and he left and he did not try to hug me again. And so those are the, like in the past, he would have tried to push boundaries right. like that. So I was very, like I was on high alert You were like at that ready time. for him oh, yeah. to actually like, do that. Yeah. To yeah. try and push those boundaries. That was, an, and again, another like trust building for mm. me just to see, okay, if I say no, or if I'm not comfortable with something, he's actually going to respect that. Mm. And he's not going to try and push those boundaries. So that was another part of yeah. it. Okay. It's interesting. Cause obviously- we know that the Lord's will, you know, isn't, wasn't for this, but you guys had a total reset oh, yeah. out of this and oh. like how, I don't know, your surrendered hearts in it could actually rebuild it way beyond, like at a deeper level than yeah. probably oh, yeah. would have been possible. Yeah, it wasn't mid- restoring what was, it's like exactly. brand new life. Yeah, exactly. I know. And I've, I said that, I say that frequently, it's really, it's hard to comprehend that like the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me was actually what rescued me from the life that like it is sometimes i'm like i just don't understand how that works Mm. but i'm like i would honestly like i wouldn't change it like the life that we have now the freedom that we have now like i would never want the marriage that we had before back you know because it's so different yeah if we ever write a book or something like that like i want the title to be something crazy like my affair saved my marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Something crazy like because it's true. It's like somehow, yeah. and it's a, it's it's crazy to think like that. But the way that we picture it, sometimes we've had this word picture where it's like the Lord kind of had this trap door, yeah. and He just kind of opened it real quick, and we both went into the trap door to escape. It was. It's. Yeah. I know it's crazy to kind of even think that, it's, but it's. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, this was the, the, the I, you know this is one of the things Bill thing. says. Uh, like he can pay, he can win with any pair. Any hand that you yeah. deal him. Yeah. And you so guys true. got the two seven. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I've actually won with the two seven before. Have you That's offsuit? So good. A two seven offsuit. Oh. I've won. So, so, gun. Anyways. I, well, I do have a question. Like, when was the first time, like, did you initiate then the first hug? Or oh, kiss? yeah. Or, that's like, interesting. As you're saying this, I feel like oh, I'm in your mic. There. Oh, I would be so, like, that would be oh, a yeah. huge one. Yeah, definitely. So, how far after? Sorry. Okay. So, yes, we'll get there in a second. Okay. So, started doing those things. Um, it was like the end of we started two, marriage counseling. We started marriage but counseling living separately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one night in December of 2016, I got done 
Debbie will say I made the best fillet of her life. It was amazing. And I'm, I'm doing the dishes. I'm cleaning up, <laughs> he's getting cleaning, ready to go. Yeah, he's doing the dishes. What the yeah. heck? It's so and, Debbie, and, Debbie, and Debbie, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like real. No, right. Yeah, oh, no, okay. exactly. Yeah. And so Debbie comes over and she's like, "So, are you ready to move back in?" And I was like, Whoa. "Absolutely, I'm ready to move back in." He got so teary eyed. It so, was so aw. cute, and like the genuine. That was an. It's another thing. It was like the genuine shock. And like he wasn't, it's not something he pushed for. It's not something he wasn't that like he sweet. You finally got here. Yes, right. yeah. he was like, "What?" Wow. It was. It was such a mm-hmm. sweet moment. It was like an honor to be back in your life. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so I got to move back in, but into a separate bedroom. So yeah. I wasn't actually invited to come into the bedroom. So there was a season where we were completely separate and we're not being physical like mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um. So going to marriage counseling, living completely in separate rooms. Mm-hmm. We would go on dates then. So that's what we yeah. started like okay. actually, like genuinely basically starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. Obviously the timeline was a bit speeded up from what it normally would be, but we, yeah, we would go on dates. And I, I actually don't remember the first kiss that we had. Do you? I don't, but I remember the first time we had sex. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> do you remember it or no? Yes, I do. I do remember. Oh, please tell that no, story. No, you can go for it. Okay, so I'm, I'm in the other bedroom laying down and Debbie comes in. While I'm in the bed. Well, and she's is. like, are you ready for this? And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life. <laughs> and so then we had sex that night because she yep. came into the room. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, how long do you know? Was it like a year? Was it seven months? No, that would have been like February. So it was in, I had my affair in August. So February again, okay. we were we were physical again. Uh-huh. So I was back in the house middle of January of 2017. Yep. And I was in the house for probably a month, maybe a little okay. bit over a month. And and moving back in, this is whenever the Lord was really clear with me. Um, prior to this, the way that our marriage operated was, I'm the driver, and wherever I'm driving this vehicle, you're just the passenger. You're not even helping me navigate. Yep. You're probably mm-hmm. more in the backseat, and I'm just getting us there. Yeah. So it was very much a I'm the head of the household and you will submit to me type mm. relationship. This time the Lord was just in his, I don't know, just in his wisdom, gave me a very clear word that I'm going to give your wife dreams and visions for your life. And, wow. and I need for you to submit to those and follow what, Ooh, what her ideas what are. Was that, what did <laughs> that was, feel like? It felt um, powerless. Mm. You know, it felt I didn't know if I could do it. Mm. Um, but I was like, okay. And then also having known Debbie before, I'm like, really, what could she come up with? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Bus situation. You know, it's so funny to think of like, knowing. Oh, I only know. We only know you yeah. now, yeah, totally. and yeah. to think that you You'd be like, we're gonna yeah. have a whole bathroom that's cement. <laughs> you know, like, you <laughs> no. have such ideas. I just, I, I didn't think that Debbie. You know, from just process. I don't know if I ever really said this out loud, yeah. but at the time, I don't think that I would have had the thought, oh, Debbie's going to figure something out for us to do with our life, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. She she never had permission to do that. Yeah. And right. then was she just going to do that on her own? And that's whenever mm-hmm. Debbie came to me with the grand idea. She was like, hey, I really feel like we're supposed to do something. And I'm like, okay, what's Here we that? Go. And also, he hadn't told me that the Lord had told yeah, him no, that. So yeah. I had no idea that wow. he was going to follow mm-hmm. dreams and visions that mm-hmm. the Lord well, gave So you me. had to cross the chicken line in order <laughs> I had, to... On her own. Yeah, I yeah. had no yeah. idea that that's what happened. Yeah, so she's like, I feel like that we're supposed to sell everything we own and move on to a school bus and drive out to <laughs> Holy crap, was it that? Was it straight up? <laughs> that was literally oh, that's straight what up like that. Wow. <laughs> the contented nomads. 
right? Or what's the name something, of the... Uh, no, it wasn't them. It was, was it someone not, else. Oh, no, it wasn't the continuum. You, got, like, you it, should look at You saw yeah, something so in the... I... It's so random. Someone had tagged me in a video of a young couple with their dog that it? converted a school <laughs> bus yeah. and lived on it. They made it and look I, so easy. And someone was like, look, this is so cool. And I was like, we could do that. <laughs> He's like, uh, we have four kids. We cannot do that. So I straight up gave her a presentation. I was like, okay, well, let's ask the kids. Let's see what they have to say because they're a part of it as well. So I gave a full-fledged presentation. I was Desperately like, I was like, trying to get out kids, of it. We could, we could fly <laughs> on an airplane out to Reading. We'll rent a house with a swimming pool or we could get on a school bus. And drive it and, out. And, and it's like going to be a long drive. Long and it's drive. going to be so small. Unanimously, the kids were <laughs> They're like, like, school bus! Uh, <laughs> so that was like, fires. for me, that was the first time I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to submit to this. Wow. <laughs> I'm not in control. Yep. I'm wow. not. I've, I've, I've relinquished all control. And so it was like, okay, whatever it takes, we'll do that. And... Wow, so it's bizarre to think that we only knew, you know, from when you moved out here in a school bus and like mm-hmm. instantly know, like, but we were knowing 2.0 yeah. right. from the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's yeah. almost like, I don't know, like when your marriage got reset, so did your like identity and community yeah. and you had a fresh thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we um, bought a school bus essentially off of a school lot at an wow. auction type thing and hired a couple out of Tennessee and they remodeled the bus we sold everything in chicago moved in with my parents I for three say, months their bus yeah. was tight it yeah, was like it was modern it cool it did not look like you can go yeah. to the maze team.com <laughs> check it out there did i ever tell you my brother did this but he did not do it the same way he did he like uh wanted to take it so he could like tour mexico and drive to like central america and then they realized they couldn't afford the gas so they partnered with people who are moving to texas so the back half was a whole family stuff and then they dropped them in texas and then see that's what happened what ended up happening is is we do like to consider ourselves as the pioneers yes. of the entire schooling when movement. it comes to families yes there were yeah. a couple of couples that were doing it but whenever people saw a family of six living on a school bus mm. i think that they instagram paints one picture people it's sure. not real of reality yeah. of yeah. course behind the scenes it's like okay this is pretty crazy what we're doing god definitely gave us a grace for it yeah definitely um, but anyways, yeah, so we moved on the school bus August of 2017. What's really interesting about that story is we picked the bus up um, like August 10th, I want to say August 9th, mm-hmm. and drove from Tennessee to Oklahoma to pick up the kids. And I remember the moment they all got on the bus inside of the, the you know, if I'm the bus driver, they have like that school mirror where you can see all the yeah. students. So we kept that mirror. Mm-hmm. And I remember closing the door. We left it just like a normal bus door and looking in that mirror and seeing my kitchen and all of my kids like buckled up and my wife and they're all just kind of like looking at me like, let's do this. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and so just putting the bus in drive was wow. like, we're, we're something wow. is fixing to shift with the maze yeah. team. Wow. And, um, you know, we broke down within the first 200 miles. <laughs> no. Big yeah. time, bro. Oh, Crazy God, God story. I'll tell this in 10 seconds. We, so we get 200 miles out. We're inside of what's called little Sahara in Oklahoma. Oh, the bus overheats. I'm no joke. Desert. It's as literally far, a desert in the middle as of Oklahoma. far as the eye can see. It's oh, ridiculous. Sand and so everywhere. This right here was a great testimony to who we'd become because in that moment I pulled the bus over. We busted out the only fillets that we had. We opened up a bottle of wine, started grilling on the side, and let the kids go play in the desert. And I was like, we "All right, Lord, what are you going to do?" No joke. The guy that happened to own the desert, who owns a desert first and foremost, <laughs> drives past us, and he's like, "Do you guys need some help?" And I'm like, "Do you know how to fix a diesel engine?" 
gets this ratchet thing out of the back of his truck, no ratchets way. the engine, and he had a shop that was a mile on the other side of the dune that you just couldn't see. Right. Wow. So he got our bus to his shop, and he had an entire um, he, he 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 welded. He fashioned this piece that we needed, what? put it inside the bus, and it got us all the way to California. Yeah. Holy wow. crap! It was crazy. So it's little things like and the, and our kids got to see the miracles mm. of God. Yeah. Over and over and over wow. and over again because of that amazing. bus. Wow. So we landed in Reading. On our anniversary, August 14th, oh, 2017. No mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yep. yep. Crazy testament. We showed up. We had $37 in the bank account. Zero, I didn't know that you guys zero had friends, no money. Yep. Zero friends. No money. <laughs> and just like, all right, we're here. Kids start school on Monday. We're going to figure it out. Yeah. You did because I met you shortly after, right? It was mm-hmm. like within the month or something like that. Yeah. It's really crazy quickly. that you never mentioned being so strapped financially. Like, yeah. is it just not a thing? Like, out of all the miracles you'd seen, that money just felt so minor. Yeah, definitely. And it, it just does. was, yeah, one of those things that we just were making it, you know? And to be. I think having that inner contentment and being so excited to finally be in a place where we felt like this is our place. Mm. Like what's so funny is that because I moved from England when I was 17 and have lived, we moved 15 times in 14 years. So we've lived in lots of different places and I've always felt like I wasn't at home mm. and it, it was pretty much within, I think a week or two of, mo- of moving to Reading. I was like, this is my home. Like oh, I'm wow. not, wow. I'm not leaving. Wow. I even said to him, if you're going to, if you want to move, like you're going to have to drag me kicking and screaming because <laughs> I am not leaving this place. Cause I just internally, I was it. like, wow. this is my home. And so I think that being in a place where I felt home and safe, yeah. it was like it, all of the other stuff doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know? And we would joke like, well, if, you know, things don't work out, it's like we have a school, like we live in our house Let's and it's it our car. Drive. Like yeah. there's not really like once you've yeah. genuinely, once you've lost all your family, all your money, all your friends, like people completely disowned us. It's like, once you've lost all of that, it's like, wow. well, we have each other and that's it. And wow. that's really all we needed. So it didn't seem like much of an issue at the time because it was, we knew what we'd come from and what we'd lost. So that was five years ago. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Was it hard? I had thought about it because I think we did a double date within six months of you getting here and you did tell us like some of this story. Yeah. Like, did Mm -hmm. you decide off the bat that you were going to like honestly share or did you guys have a conversation? Like, how did that? How did you talk about this? (laughs) Yeah. So listen, I am, I'm early stages, you know, I mean, you man alive played a massive role in my healing. We didn't show up to Reading healed. Right. We didn't, sure, we, we didn't sure. pull into Reading with our marriage f- done. Like we right. pulled into Reading, like we're just getting started. The analogy that I use is I feel like we got to Reading. So I'm rounding third base, I'm sliding into home, and I don't know if I've made it. And the umpire goes safe. Like mm-hmm. we just barely made it. Oh, okay. And so whenever I came, I'm terrified of rejection. Oh, yeah. wow. I'm like, I'm going to put this place to the test. If they all really believe what I've been listening to over the past year oh. on podcasts, let's go. So literally all of the dates that we would have, I'm like, let's just go ahead and I want to let you know I had an affair. Like immediately. And I'm like looking at you like, are you going to reject like, me right now or not? And I wow. just started just sharing it with everyone. Like I was, it, it was going to be one of two things. Either you're going to accept me and love me for who I am and I'm just going to get all of the crap out of the way. Sure. Because I didn't want to... Nothing hidden. Yeah. I didn't want yeah. there to be like, oh man, Gabriel was with us for dinner and he didn't tell us about his story. Of course, now I'm healed on the other side of all of that. But mm-hmm. I remember that actually was a pivotal, 
pivotal moment for us. We had gotten asked mm-hmm. to lunch by Dave and Taff Harvey. Mm-hmm. We oh, love yeah. to use their name because they're phenomenal mm-hmm. humans. Pastors and, uh, at Bethel. Yep. Pastors at Bethel Church. Um, <laughs> our uh, our sons were in the same class. Oh, okay. And so Taff invited us over for brunch one day. And Dave is this crazy Aussie guy who just so happens to love testimony. Mm. And so I didn't know who Dave was. He's the most cheerful. He's just yeah. I was his intern. Oh, oh, really? He's phenomenal. Yeah. Yes, but so, I'm like, yes. I don't know who these people are. I don't know who anyone is except for Brian and Jen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Brian and Jen Johnson oh worship gosh. pastors at Bethel Music. <laughs> um, and so... What happened is, is Dave goes in his crazy Aussie voice. He's like, Gabe, what's your story, Gabe? And I'm there in his kitchen and I look over at Debbie and she goes, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> just Go for it. And so I just like, it was the most detailed I had gotten in oh, our story. Shoot, so yeah. hours go by. And whenever wow. it's over, this is the first time that we're really wow. fully unpacking it. Yeah. Uh, Dave this was and Taff. in like a week or two. Yeah. Dave and Taff are crying. Wow. Aww. Dave comes over and he was the Aww. first pastor to ever give me a hug. Just gives <sighs> me a big old bear hug and just holds me. And I'm crying <laughs> and he's yeah. crying. And I'm like, I'm having a good cry. I'm having a good hug. This is unreal. Yeah. And it was crazy healing. And yeah. then that led to. Well, and he said yeah. to you, like, I'm so sorry, like for on behalf of like the pastors that have hurt you. Like, I am so sorry sorry. that you've been rejected and just Mm -hmm. really spoke into like healing those wounds of just like Mm -hmm. what had happened to us, you know, the church that had rejected us. And so it was super healing. I mean, so you can just imagine, and that was my experience over and over and over again was just, Hey, it's okay. You know? And there, it got to a point to where the, the healing and I think that we're all still going through a level of healing. You know, sure. I'm, I'm even going through deeper levels of healing even now. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but it was like, okay, that part of my life, I feel, okay, I don't have to share it. Like, not everyone needs to know. but mm-hmm. sure. And now yeah. we get to share it out of a place of um, what we really feel like is breakthrough. Yeah. You know, we've, yeah. we've discovered mm-hmm. and we have breakthrough now in that area of our life. And so no longer is it a, okay, I had an affair. Are you going to love me? It's like, hey, wow. I actually had an affair and there's hope on the other side yep. of something wow. like that. Wow, yeah. Wow. You have something to give away exactly. rather than a question to ask every time. Exactly yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting because we've been thinking back to you telling it. I think just because of your personality, like I didn't get it as a question at all. Yeah. I mean, right. maybe by the time you, we had lunch or dinner, it wasn't. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, that's so intriguing to realize like you just don't know yeah. what's going on mm-hmm. in someone else's head and just... Mm-hmm. And so we dove head first. I mean, yeah. we went to Lamb One, mm-hmm. Lamb Two. I went to Man Alive. That that's a marriage course here at a yeah, church. Love after yeah, marriage. that is a love after. You're marriage. doing so a, great at this. Game. I'm making sure. I'm just pausing. Are we going to have a link for Lamb One below? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So we went to Love After Marriage One and Love After Marriage Two, and I went to Man Alive mm-hmm. for a year and mm-hmm. sat in a group for a year. Um, it's now called the Whole Man Project here at Bethel, led by you, Aaron. Um, <laughs> and no, and it is. It was. It was life changing for me because mm-hmm. you know coming from a place where I felt like as a pastor, I had to have all of the answers. So if yeah. I'm going to sit in a session, I'm going to tell you what you need to do, mm-hmm. and actually. In that group, what you're told is you actually don't give the people advice. Mm -hmm. Don't tell this man what he needs to do. God's going to do his work. Let him have his share and then move on to the next guy. Like prayer, Lord, just be with him. Amen. And then move on to the next guy. And it was crazy because I would see men radically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit's Mm -hmm. work in their life over the course of a year. And I didn't even say a word. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, wow, the Lord just did what Mm -hmm. the Lord does, you know? And then ended up becoming a leader in that group. and. Mm -hmm. Then we did BSSM one Bethel School okay. of Supernatural <laughs> Ministry, like literally, which is it's a continual yeah, journey, yeah. is it not? Like we're not oh, here yeah. having a podcast with you as 
people that have made it and we have all of the sure. answers and we're right. fully healed and our marriage is perfect. It's we're making progress. Yeah. So progress. Then can I ask <clears throat> this? <clears throat> Are you going to edit that out? <laughs> Probably no, keep so. it. It was gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, then can I ask, and this is, we'll, we're going to like wrap towards the end now. Um, what is it that you're learning right now? Because as yeah. you said, you haven't arrived. Mm-hmm. So what's, yeah. what's yeah. there still to learn? Yeah, I'll go and give you a second to think about it. So two things for me. One really has to do around leadership. Mm. Um, I have a leadership business coach right now. Um, and I did something. I took what's called a 360 profile. And mm. it reveals to me what are my constraints. Mm. And in Based my, on other people, right? They're based off of to. what other people's interactions are with me, albeit in um, the work environment or personally or mm-hmm. family. And they take that data and they say, hey, Gabriel, these are some areas in your life that if you don't pay attention to, they're, they're, they'll kill you is what they say. Mm. Probably not that extreme, but, <laughs> um, but they're my constraints. And so I'm learning, hey, I have got... I am at risk of being too high in self-confidence. Mm-hmm. If I'm not careful, my mm-hmm. self-confidence will get me in trouble. Mm. Um, I'm also too low on deference, which means I won't defer to other people. Mm. And um, I can go on and on, but I'm basically learning more about myself there. Oh, okay. The other thing that the Lord has really put on my heart, I, I would think Debbie as well, is just this one word, stewardship. Mm-hmm. Um, how are we stewarding well yeah. what we have been given? How are we being faithful with the friendships and relationships that we have, mm. um, the connections in business, the um, the tools that we know how to use to create impact online. Yeah. Um, how are we stewarding well what we've been given? And I think mm. it's a daily journey with the Lord right now to really unpack, okay, God, how do I take what you've given me and how do I multiply it? Mm. Um, what, do, what do I do? And so I'm still in that process right now of learning what it really means to be a good mm. steward. Mm. So that's, good. that's what I'm learning. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, it's been a continual process of um, allowing myself to be seen and Mm. speaking out and not holding myself back. Um, Obviously, like I talked about, like codependency, I think initially it was like I thought it was my, you know, I had to make sure everyone in my life was happy. And I I let that go and I worked through that. And then it was like, okay, I need to fully show up and not Mm. hold myself back. Um, and so that's been a really long journey for me. I go through phases where it's like, I feel like I'm doing so well and I'm like, you know, letting it all out and speaking boldly. Um, but I've just in the, especially in these last six months, I've had some opportunities, especially in business to, um, you know, to go through some difficult situations, to have to, some really hard conversations mm. with people. Um, and for me, it's like, I never want to hurt people's feelings. I want people to feel loved and cared for, but just recognizing that um, just because it's a painful situation doesn't mean that it has to be something detrimental to relationship mm. yeah. that I can actually have clear and difficult conversations with people. I can speak, um, you know, the things that I am seeing inside of people, um, recognizing that actually like those thoughts that I do have are wisdom. Mm. Um, I used to always kind of downplay it like, oh, it's my, it may be just be my idea of things or, but I've actually been like going through this process process of being like, I'm going to believe that actually that was something that I was supposed to say, or I'm going to believe that that Mm -hmm. thought that I have is actually, and just start throwing things out there and just Mm -hmm. see like, okay, if I just let these, like my filter is just so thick. I'm like, if I just start to not filter these Mm -hmm. things, like how does it go? Mm -hmm. Um, so I've had some opportunities to have some really hard conversations, um, and seeing that on the other side of them, like, 
actually what's it's better for both people when yeah, you do that so you know good. like you think that these conversations are going to cause fracture and mm -hmm. potentially ruin things, but actually it brings not even just maybe sometimes not you closer to that person, but sure. even closer to the end goal for what is better for both of your lives. Yeah. Even if that means like this relationship, you know, friendship is not working out. So I think we should just move on. It's like, you both now have the opportunity to find something so even good. better. Um, so that's just been building my trust muscle for me to continue to speak out and, and not she's hold been myself back. Crushing it. Like, <laughs> oh, it's been you. pretty awesome to watch her have those conversations and follow through with it. And then on yep. the other side of it, it's been pretty phenomenal to watch. Wow. So, so good. Yeah. Awesome guys. Yeah. Well, now is the time for <laughs> it's so funny i almost in this conversation i learned so much as your friend that i forgot I totally. to do like interviewing ish so i was like i'm, I'm glad you guys are easy to talk to <laughs> totally. you let it easy hopefully to we provided some really yeah. good content yes. for you guys today <laughs> yeah yeah spoken like a true online business oh person how the amount of times you said content <laughs> i know you know one thing though i i do feel like i should say too because i know that a lot of people hearing our story um a lot of the questions we we get asked about when it comes to affairs is like how did you know that gabriel was really changed yeah. how do i know what do i do in this situation and i would say one thing that's kind of i've kind of thread it throughout our story but really seeing true repentance in that person mm. i think is the main thing because we have had a lot of people come to us where it's like this it's a cyclical problem like uh, we'll yeah. get fr freedom for a while and then he'll go back to doing his old ways and mm. kind of just in a cycle i think for us although it's probably frowned upon in most most church cultures to to have a separation and to actually be in different environments i think honestly that is what allowed us mm. to get the healing that we needed and be able to come back together healthy i think that um it's not a bad thing to have that physical separation um but i also know that like watching for gabriel's like truly like I want to change for myself and yeah. I'm, it's not, I'm just sorry that I got caught. It's yeah. like, I'm sorry. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to get truly healthy for myself. Um, it's just one of those things. So I think that for anyone listening that is going through That's that, good. like looking for those things is really mm -hmm. important. That's good. good. Yep. I'm glad you added that. That's really good. Um, all right. So, why don't you tell us some awkward sex story that you have? Listen, it's I, not a crazy one. It's, a, it's not. <laughs> That's such an eights interpretation know, right? of awkward. Yeah. Crazy oh, you want sex something crazy story. awkward? I've never felt awkward in my life. <laughs> um, so I have a funny one. We when we're I think we're at Christmas at his family's house, very early on into marriage, and and so part we haven't even talked about our story that. I had never had sex before. So Gabriel's the only person I've ever had sex with. Mm -hmm. So very inexperienced, don't yeah. know anything. Very um, inexperienced. Whatever. And so <laughs> his sister one day, like one random day during this Christmas break was like, I totally heard you and Gabriel having sex. And I was like, no, you didn't. She's like, yes. We were in the bathroom. She said, yes, you did, you did in the bathroom. I heard you in the shower. And I'm like, how on earth would you know that? Like, were you at the door? She's like, Debbie, when you're in the shower, it like echoes. Like you can hear it through the entire house. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everyone knew. And I was oh. so, because I didn't think about like the acoustics of a shower. Because <laughs> it's so loud in your ears. And, like right. the, the water. Oh, exactly. You just I don't recognize. Not. Thank you for letting me so, learn yes. from your <laughs> shower sex. Beware. <laughs> 
oh, that would be broadcast to the whole the entire family. family. Oh, yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Yep. But none in our front porch, or no. I mean, not I our mean, front porch. Oh my god, that would be way worse. <laughs> Bushes. Challenge yeah. accepted. <laughs> no, no. no. Party at one. I will call the cops. Ch- <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. For Debbie. Yeah, uh, Debbie's gonna be in your shirt again. Like, <laughs> yeah. like did you get taken? Well, thank you guys for being yeah, vulnerable, awesome. sharing your story, and um, yeah, just kind of diving into the deep and the thick of it. So, really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks. This was awesome.